Welcome, everyone, to Politics Express, the Postwriters Politics podcast. I'm your host, the Postwriters Politics editor, Lars Emerson. And in the first episode of 2023, we're looking backwards on last year and awarding who we believe are the biggest winners, losers, and the craziest moments of 2022. With me today is our editor-in-chief, Michael Levito. What's up, Mike? Not much. I'm just, uh, the, the way things are going, I, I think I have a decent shot of being the next Speaker of the House, actually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking up apartments in D.C. and, um, you know, checking out the offices, what office I want to take. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it all plays out tomorrow night. Or not night, tomorrow afternoon. Well, could be the night. Uh, yeah, so we're recording this on January 2nd, so we're looking backwards, though, not forward, Mike. Yes. And, you know, over the past year, oh, really throughout our, well, throughout our friendship, we've always kind of messaged each other whenever there's something big that happens, or sometimes I'll just message you like, you know who's really underrated? Yeah. (laughs) Um, we just pretty generally track some wacky people in politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, and today we'll be talking about the biggest winners, losers, moments, most embarrassing episodes, the rising stars, the best photos, and the high-level comebacks and betrayals on the political scene in 2022. We did the same thing last year, but I kind of realized, I went back and listened to some of it, um, we, just, we were just very mundane. I feel like a lot of big stuff happened this year. You know, last year we were like, you were like, John Fetterman's going to be a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> and he guess, was. Guess You're he was right. right. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Like of all the things, you know, I don't. Well, know. I, I feel like I there there were there's more of there were more ups and downs. I think this year, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there was you had a really like interesting election. Um, you had really interesting machinations like on Capitol Hill, um, yeah. and some some interesting characters. I just think this was a more interesting year in general. Yeah elections help right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah. um so we're going to be awarding some superlatives in a very casual and not official manner at all (laughs) yes are you ready to dive in mike born ready all right our our first category is destined for stardom i believe this is where you picked john fetterman last year (laughs) i did and guess what happened he's now he's gonna be a senator yeah and i picked dr oz so i (laughs) Um, no, so who do, who do you believe is, is destined for stardom based on 2022? So I didn't have like a lot of, I, I, in some ways I had like not enough and also too many options for this, right? So I'll, I'll throw out some honorable mentions, right? Sure. Um, uh, Congresswoman elect Marie Gulzenkamp Perez, mm. um, mm-hmm. who won, uh, in Washington's third congressional district, I believe that was the district um, that was held. I mean, as we record, this is currently held, but as of tomorrow, by the time you hear this, will no longer be held um, by Jamie Herrera Butler, who was, of course, a uh, Republican who voted to impeach Donald Trump. She lost. Well, she did not place top two in the top two primary in that district. Um, Joe Kent, who was like a very far right Republican, mm-hmm. did instead, alongside. Uh, Perez, Perez ended up winning. You know she's she's fairly young uh, and is kind of giving this blueprint. Um, she's she's pretty pro gun. She's a small business owner. This blueprint of like how 
um, Democrats can win in rural and quasi-rural areas for the same reason I have uh, Alaska Congresswoman Mary Peltola, Ooh. who did like a very similar thing and has seems to be fairly popular. Um, you know, she said that she was going to focus on like fishery reform, and that's literally like what she did in her very short first term. Uh, and she got reelected with with without much drama uh, to to a full term. And I also have Josh Shapiro, the incoming governor of Pennsylvania, who you know has people are saying he has some Obama like uh, speech uh, abilities, speech giving abilities, um, and people think he could be like a presidential prospect somewhere down the line. But I think like my actual choice, I actually went with a Republican. And I went with uh, incoming Alabama Senator Katie Britt, who I think if you had asked yeah. Republicans like 10 years ago, what do you want the party to look like in 10 years? They would pick somebody like Katie Britt. Um, you know, she's only 40, I believe. So she's she's quite young for a politician. Um, she is married to a uh, former college football player. Um, you know, she, she kind of went through the ranks. She worked for... Uh, the senator she's actually replacing Richard Shelby, the longtime Alabama Senator Richard Shelby. Um, she, she's been involved in like lots of Republican organizations, lots of like state organizations in Alabama. This is actually her first elected office. But she's like this very professional, very competent, very just like normal seeming Republican in an era when normal seeming Republicans are at a premium. Mm. And like I said, she's pretty young, so I could see her keeping the seat for a very long time. I mean, she's a Republican in Alabama. It's her seat, I would say, for as long as she really wants to keep it. And I think that, you know, given the way so many Republicans who really put their uh, all, all their chips on kind of like the Trump wing of the party and this kind of far right creep, you know, I think of people like Josh Hawley, for instance, who people thought was going to be the next big thing. But now that, you know, that wing of the party is no longer as powerful as it seemed, or at least no longer as electorally successful as it seemed. I can see Katie Britt maybe sort of taking some steps forward into the spotlight and being viewed by a lot of people as like the path uh, for Republicans who win basically the 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 kind of people who like Katie Britt, basically young millennial, which is not really millennial, uh, just young suburban women winning them back into the fold. No, I, I like that. I didn't think of her, but that is a good that is a good answer. I so I only wrote down one name, uh, and we'll see if I'm right. Uh, but I actually picked Steve Scalise, who is mm. the uh, Republican whip in the House and uh, potentially a future Speaker of the House. Yes. If Kevin McCarthy does not get his way tomorrow, so wouldn't it be crazy <laughs> if he were elected Speaker tomorrow? Um, my, my thing with him is, so I, I did a piece for the site like about a month ago, kind of chronicling McCarthy's, uh, difficult math to become speaker, given he has like five members of his own caucus who have said absolutely not and never. Mm -hmm. And now that list is closer to, well, it's still five, which is more than he needs, but there's probably like nine who have now said, nah, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but Steve Scalise was unanimously elected by the Republican conference. So I also just think, you know, I, I kind of compared McCarthy and Pelosi in that piece. And now Pelosi had like a similar margin uh, and still managed to be elected speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Scalise is someone with that same kind of whipping skill and Kevin McCarthy doesn't have it. And I just think Steve Scalise is like very, very smart. 
Yeah, no, I, that that makes sense. I I tend to think he'll 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 be content as whip, but I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I don't think anybody really does. Yeah, and uh, I, I think if he does become Speaker of the House, he will be a more forceful presence than Kevin McCarthy would be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, our, our next category is destined for oblivion. So the opposite of destined for stardom. So I, <laughs> uh, my very <laughs> early 2023 and therefore recency bias pick that I'll mention is George Santos. <laughs> he, 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 he is my pick. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just because I, I like, you know, he so George Santos, I believe he's in New York's fourth congressional district, um, which is now the second congressional district to that includes a portion of new york city that also has a republican representative although we'll see how long that lasts because so george santos he gets elected um he is uh, uh of brazilian descent he is openly gay he is the first openly gay republican elected to congress and um he is also has some jewish ancestry and uh, worked apparently at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, except actually he didn't. Um, <laughs> All of that is wrong. He well, most of it is. He completely <laughs> lied about his career at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. Uh, he did not work for those. He worked for smaller firms. He was also like a customer sales rep, like a customer service representative for, I believe, Spectrum, which is a cable company, um, or was Directv, I think, some cable company. Isn't he also banned from Brazil? Well. That's the thing, is that he... Well, so first there's the Jewish thing, which he says, oh, like, my grandparents were, were, were Holocaust refugees. They were, you know, Ukrainian Jews who left, you know, that part of, part of Europe because of the, the pre-Nazi prejudice that was happening. Mm-hmm. They moved to Belgium, and then they, they, they came to Brazil and during the Holocaust. Uh, that's not true. Uh, the, 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 the part of his... His family that that is of Jewish ancestry was born in Brazil in like 1918, and mm. also have not been practicing Jews for a very long time. Like his mother is is or was she's passed as Catholic, and he said he kept saying that she was Jewish and like going to Republican Jewish events, saying I have a Jewish mother and all that. Um, and yes, he also may have committed check fraud in Brazil and yeah. and some some larceny as well. And it, uh, as of today, the Brazilian authorities are reopening the case. <laughs> Um, and there, there are also kind of uh, other like less reported out rumors about um, him being involved in like a possible green card marriage and um, questions about his citizenship that I won't like spend too much time on because you know they're not there hasn't been a lot of reporting on it just kind of rumors. Um, but things are not going well for him. Nick Lalota, his fellow New York Republican congressman, has said there should be an ethics hearing about him and also that there should be a criminal probe if necessary. <laughs> so what, what I found so remarkable or I guess important about this is how pretty much no or very few elected Republicans are carrying water for George Santos right now. They are hanging him out to dry and they are fine to let him twist in the wind. Which is interesting because, like, if he resigns, there's a very good chance that district goes Democrat in a special election. Well, I think if he stays in office, there's a pretty good chance that district <laughs> goes Democrat in two years. But that's true. Um, no, I mean, my my thing was with him is like <laughs> all these Republicans who are being asked about him, like on the Sunday shows and whatnot, they all seem to be saying like, "Yeah, so I'm not going to say that he must resign, but he should probably <laughs> resign." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my recency bias pick. 
my other destined for oblivion hot takes are the the tag team duo of Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. Mm. They may not be with us two years from now. <laughs> That's true, and they are still important, but less important given that the uh, well, officially the Democrats will only have fifty senators, but functionally it seems like they will have fifty one. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Kirsten Cinema and her party switch. Uh, later on her betrayal yes uh well yeah uh so the biggest comeback story of of the year mike mine isn't a person (laughs) my uh, neither is mine so i mean my my joking one was the golden globes (laughs) because they weren't broadcast last year because it turns out that uh there was a a legacy of of racism and sexual harassment within the hollywood foreign press association (laughs) And everyone was like, please do not nominate me for Golden Globe. I don't want to be associated with this organization. But now they're going to be on TV with Gerard Carmichael hosting. That's not my, like, you know, my actual choice. Uh, my actual choice is the Democratic legislative agenda. I, I had Build Back Better, except <laughs> don't call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, seemed, seemed dead after uh, lots of impasses that the Democrats were having with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Um, but at kind of not quite the eleventh hour, but but pretty close to it, uh, they they turned Build Back Better into the Inflation Reduction Act and uh, and hammered out a lot of deals and, and got a lot of stuff done. Yeah, my and which you know there's there's a comeback there for Joe Biden for Democratic yeah. Senate odds and um, my my other one like democracy did better this year than I expected. <laughs> yeah, like just that election. Yeah, yeah it was nice. I really was negative into like, oh, wow, you're, we're about to elect some people who do not believe in democracy. Yeah, no, and notable that like the only real serious attempts to change the result of election happened were like all located in Arizona. Yeah. And uh, as of today, Katie Hobbs has been sworn in as the governor of Arizona, so. There's still a chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's that's good. That's a good. Those are some good comebacks in 2022. Uh, most overrated politician. I think last year I said Donald Trump, which was very prescient for mm. the year ahead because he was a huge drag on his party this year. But this year I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think Stacey Abrams may be the most overrated politician in the country. Yes. She is a very uh, effective campaigner. Mm-hmm. She not so good at getting statewide office in a moderate state good good campaigner for everybody but herself it seems yeah um there's also a series of articles by a sub stacker called ettinger mentum i i'm not really familiar with their past work i think they write mostly about georgia politics mm. about basically kind of you know the the stuff abrams did and did not do um she yeah i, I had a democrat and a republican answer to this she, she she was on my she was my democrat yeah uh you know and we did kind of hype her up, I, bl- I believe, in last year's uh, end-of-year award. So so only right to say we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, and things didn't pan out. Uh, my, my my Republican choice is Blake Masters. Oh, um, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the interesting choices Republicans made when it came to their Senate candidates um, later on in the show. But Blake Masters, I don't know what it is, but there is a... a uh, there are some Republicans and like Republican influencers and people who are convinced that Blake Masters is the key to the future and that Blake Masters is like the guy who gets it and the guy who will 
bring people back to the Republican Party because he's willing to talk about things like, um, you know, declining white birth rates and, um, and, and, and other weird, like, cultural topics. And the guy has no charisma. Um, <laughs> no, he's like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, he, he's Zuckerberg-esque. His advertise like, he has one advertisement where he is just alone by himself in the desert shooting a, a Walther PK into, like, a lake and noting over and over again that it's German. He's very excited that his gun is German. <laughs> um, and that is the kind of gun that Hitler killed himself with. Like, the thing is, like, like he he just, he looks like, you know, I don't want to make anybody's appearance or anything, but, like, he sounds like a, a creepy kind of, like, Nazi, like, curious guy. Like, he, oh, he's, no. like... Yeah. <laughs> And, like, maybe, like, this idea that he is sort of, like, a, a national conservative, you know, in, in the sense that, like, Josh Hawley or J.D. Vance might be is, like, appealing to some people. But, like, I just don't know what these people are thinking where it's like, oh, man, I, I really thought we had something with Blake Masters. Like, he was, I think, he did, the, of all the statewide candidates in Arizona, I think he literally had the worst result. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I just don't know what, what, what they he, see in him. He was just a consummate weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Running against an astronaut. Like, yeah. what, like what do you think was going to happen? Uh, well, how about the most underrated politician of 2022? I, I, I said Jared Polis. Oh. Governor of Colorado. Oh, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lord, Lars interned for Jared Polis when he was a congressman. Yeah. Just because, like, the, the Democratic victories in Colorado were so total yeah. and so crushing. And I don't think people realize that, like, you know, this was a state that George W. Bush won twice and had a Republican senator as recently as, I mean, 2020. Um, and I, it, the path for Republicans, like, winning statewide office there again, it seems uh, unlikely, to say the least. And I think yeah. Jerry Polls is not, like, the one reason for that, but being able to build on, like, the groundwork that people like John Hickenlooper provided him with um and also just being like a you know he, he seems like he's able to really thread the needle yeah. on a lot of political issues and um yeah i, I think no. people don't don't talk about that enough no that that's a great pick and i i'd add michael bennett in there too because yep. i he, i think michael bennett is an incredibly boring and very intelligent man <laughs> but very boring and yet he yeah. massively won re-election uh it's 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 actually very sweet that you picked Jared Polis because I actually picked your senator, Chuck Schumer, <laughs> oh. as maybe the most underrated politician of the year. Um, home dog did it, man. Yeah. Like he had 50 Democrats and he slammed through maybe the most legislation in like, God, I mean, like since like the 90s, since like the 80s. I mean, this Congress, they really like, they did it. He did it. They He came together. <laughs> I've been obsessed with, like, the think pieces comparing him and, like, Harry Reid's strategy and how Harry Reid would just, like, go after you and beat you down and, like, threaten your life. And Chuck Schumer just, like, has 20 cell phones and they're all flip phones and he just, like, calls you and he's always ready to get a call. And he's like, hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> he's like, um, just, like, good for him, you know? Chuck Schumer. Underrated. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like he gets... You know, he should get a little more credit. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, all right. So biggest betrayal. I I did have Kirsten Cinema. 
that was like the most shocking. Mm-hmm. I have defended her for a long time. <laughs> and I, I still will to some degree uh, in that she it's not like she didn't vote with the Democratic Party. And I don't believe she intends to stop. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, how is it after this election where Democrats surprisingly overperformed in states like Arizona and Republicans nominated weirdos like Blake Masters in states like Arizona that you're like, you know what? I don't like the Democrats anymore. Right. What a it, weird time to pick that. Yeah, I, I also chose her. And the thing is, like, it just it, it sucked a little bit of the air out of like the Democratic balloon where it was like they were feeling good. They had 51 senators and now they don't really anymore. I mean, like, I mean, they do. She's still right, caucusing yeah. with them. Yeah, even though she's not literally caucusing with them, I kind of well, loved yeah. that. I was like, "Are you going to still go to the caucus meeting?" She's like, "Well, I wasn't going anyway." <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll change much about the way she votes. I don't know what she's thinking with this. She's. I feel like we've talked about this before, but the thing is, like, if you're a Democrat and you're frustrated with like Joe Manchin, it's like you at least understand where Joe Manchin is coming from and why he's doing what he's doing, right? Yeah. You understand he's doing these things because he is a Democrat from a red state who has to do some things that will not be popular with the median Democrat. Kirsten Cinema, I mean, like, Arizona's purple, sure, and you, you can't go full Bernie Sanders if, if you're representing it. But at the same time, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of rhyme or reason to what she does a lot of the times. And that's my thing is she does vote with the president's agenda 100% of the time, unlike Joe Manchin or even Bernie Sanders. She just doesn't, like, communicate that at all. (laughs) In fact, she's just very unwilling to communicate anything about how she feels. Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't understand. Like, how can you vote with the Democratic Party 100% of the time and then be like, well, I'm less of a Democrat than all of these other Democrats who don't support the president 100% of the time? Yeah, she's also become very unpopular. Like yeah. in poll and like you know, polling hypothetical Senate matchups for twenty twenty four is you know it's too early for that. But like in the polling, she is doing very poorly running as like an independent candidate. Yeah, um, yeah. So she'll be a fun one to to watch, kind of fade away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Mm-hmm. Um, the most embarrassing suck up is our next category. Mm. You you want to go? <laughs> I had Matt Taibbi. Um, oh. Matt Taibbi, uh, most famous for his work at Rolling Stone as like a political journalist. Um, he he's he, he kind of I f- like he became very famous in like the financial crisis and um, all of that. Like he he famously described Goldman Sachs as like a vampire squid hmm. wrapped around the earth or something like that. Um, you know, he was this kind of like prototypical like edgy Gen X journalist who. Who wasn't afraid to, to take shots? You know, he ran a ran a magazine in, in in Russia right after the fall of the Soviet Union, right? And and did all this stuff and was like like a truth to power guy. And he, like Glenn Greenwald, has become like he uh, and he's like like a, a very big like anti Iraq anti Iraq war voice too. And he's kind of like um, become in a way like anti anti right, if that makes sense. Where he's like not like a conservative, but he's like you know who's also bad the Democratic Party, and he's like more focused on that than he is like actual stuff going on. And this is manifested most recently in the whole Twitter file files thing. Yeah, where Elon Musk, of course, purchased Twitter, and uh, his whole thing is that he is 
releasing information about the way that Twitter handled. Uh, it started with uh, the, the the Joe uh, not Joe Biden the Hunter Biden laptop leak and how um, you know the New York Post wrote wrote a story about that and um, Twitter actually removed links to the story uh, from Twitter, uh, which is a very controversial decision. And uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, he, he basically gave all these documents to Matt Taibbi about that decision, and Matt Taibbi, like, tweeted it out instead of, like, being, like, an actual writer instead of writing, like, a piece about it. Like, Matt Taibbi has his own substack. He has no editor. He can just write whatever he wants. Yeah. But, no, he had to do, like, this incomprehensible, not incomprehensible, this unwieldy, like, massive tweet thread about it. Um, and was, like, you see, like... And basically all, all it amounted to was that, like, Twitter... You know, there was internal discussion about this. Twitter decided to do it. You know, and other stuff has like other people have released things in the quote unquote Twitter files about how Twitter has coordinated with FBI on certain stuff, which I mean kind of makes sense if it was a website that used to have like ISIS accounts on it. Right. Um, right. And like, yeah, there was obviously like a pro democratic bias at Twitter as there are at many tech companies. It really did not reveal anything else that we didn't know. But the suck up aspect of it is Matt Taibbi, who I was never like a huge fan of, but like he at least stuck to his guns. You know, was this truth to power guy, and now he's basically running political cover for one of the richest, if not the richest man in the world, and with very little payoff. And like, I don't know what he thinks he's getting out of it, and everything he said about it in the past has just kind of not. It just reinforced this impression that he spends way too much time on Twitter, caring about Twitter way too much, and is not actually looking at the larger picture about what's actually going on in the world. Hmm. Um, so yeah. I, that's a that's a good pick. I had not even. I, I would never have even thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I put J D Vance, yeah. who I like really struggle to even accept is like a United States senator now. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. That's so weird. <laughs> like I can understand how like oh yes George Clooney U S senator, but J D Vance is like. I, I really, it's like if I were like Michael Levito, U.S. Senator. Like, even that <laughs> makes more sense. Like, J.D. Vance is just like so, like, you just look at a photo of him and you're like, I went to college with this guy. There's yeah. no way that guy's a U.S. Senator. Hmm. No, it's just, I don't know. His whole shtick this year was just very embarrassing. How Who do you think he's sucking up to? The Trump wing of the Republican yeah. Party. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say. I just, he just embarrasses me. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's fair i i can't say that i'm a fan and it just such like a too because you know he, he first he was very famous for not liking donald trump like in 2016 right, and 2017 right. <laughs> and wrote these things about i didn't like him and like he approached a lot of these ideas that were kind of associated with the trump wing the party where it's like well you know maybe the republicans shouldn't be the party of like wall street right we should find ways to kind of like you know help the worker and stuff like that and i think even people who you know i think that that appealed to a lot of people who were not necessarily fans of donald trump but yeah. he then sp- spun it into this like culture war donald trump thing um also just like his general ambivalence about ukraine i think has been pretty like flippant yeah. and gross um yeah not a he did you almost kind of get the sense that he's not speaking for himself when he says a lot of the stuff he says now because whatever you want to say about him he was at least like 
gave the impression of being thoughtful whereas mm-hmm. now it feels like he's definitely trying to just be like the the edgy maga guy and it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't it works for some people but it doesn't work for him <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah um now worst rap is our next category <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not which uh which maga artist rapped the worst it was who got the most shit this year that they didn't deserve mm-hmm. for me this was an easy answer i believe it is joe mansion i think for years he has gotten more shit than he deserves like you said in our biggest betrayal section mm-hmm. uh you you gotta understand he comes from west virginia it's like the second most republican state in the country and yet he votes with the president almost 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. that you know give him some cut him some slack he's there he he did it he helped you out um, yeah i mean i feel like we've we've been pretty strident joe mansion apologists <laughs> we have it's kind of become our brand <laughs> yeah yeah which is like hey like i know we know he's frustrating but also like a lot of, if, if he were not senator right now a lot of the stuff joe Biden would not be there's a lot of stuff joe Biden would not be able to accomplish yeah um so i agree there i, I switched it up a little bit um i went with queen elizabeth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so queen elizabeth obviously <laughs> passed away this year um and look, I'm an Irish American. I'm no fan of the British monarchy. But the way certain people react to her death, you would have assumed that she was personally responsible for every awful thing the British Empire has done in its history. <laughs> and I'm not saying she's an angel. I'm not saying there's maybe things she shouldn't have done or whatever. And it sounds like she and Diana did not get along well or whatever. But, like, I don't know, man. Just, no, like, what what was she fair. supposed to do? Like, just just, like pull a coup on the british government and like personally decolonize like all of their colonial holdings like she could have at least stopped brexit man i mean like yeah and then cause a constitutional crisis yeah basically <laughs> um i i don't know it's like I, like i said i i really don't care what happens to the monarchy it's 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 up to the brits if they want to keep it great if they don't that's fine i just think the idea that like queen elizabeth was like this this uh this evil this tyrant who was like you know and granted yeah did she did did she benefit from all this awful stuff that happened in the past of course but like <laughs> i don't know man it's, it's just like there's just something so like it's like what oh she had like tea parties and like you know did ceremonial things it's like she they're they're just like way worse people out there i don't know well, like i'm not saying you gotta like her but at the same time this idea that she was the the idea that she was like um king leopold you know running the rubber plantations in the congo is just like i don't know no i, I like thank you for being a the queen apologist <laughs> yeah. um I, I, my my b choice for worst rap a very different person from the queen uh this is gonna get me into some trouble uh mitch mcconnell i think gets more mm. shit than he deserved uh this year specifically the dude has done some terrible things uh, over the course of his life, and we'll talk about the implications of some of those in a bit. Um, I found myself in the incredibly progressive law school that I currently attend, like saying, the election made me feel really bad for Mitch McConnell, you know? <laughs> and everyone like turned to me and they're like, what is wrong with you? He's evil. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't like him. But, like, you have to think about this from his perspective. He was, like, 
begging his party not to nominate these crazy people. And then they nominate all these crazy people. They lose a seat in the Senate. And then Trump and the party turn on McConnell and say, this is your fault. (laughs) Yeah, I felt a little bad for the guy. They should have just listened to Mitch McConnell, but they didn't. So he got more shit than he deserved. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I think that's fair. I mean, like, and it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I don't know if it's later this month or if it's next month, but um, McConnell will actually be appearing alongside Joe Biden in Kentucky at an event like Mm. celebrating the infrastructure legislation. (laughs) Maybe Um, he's going to switch party. (laughs) But like... I mean, probably not, but it does make me wonder if there's going to be, like, some... There's, like, a universe, perhaps not our universe, but there is a universe where, like, there there is some, like, weird coalition, like, anti-Trump coalition built if if, if weird stuff happens in the primary. I don't know. Probably yeah. not going to happen, but... Yeah. Um, um, okay. So now we did worst rap. Who got the best rap? Who got the most justified amount of shit? I mean, it's got to be Herschel Walker, right? Yeah, um, he is. He's a good one. The, the the Republican Senate candidate in Georgia, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, former former college football star. I, mean, I feel um, a little bad because he's just clearly not like well. Right, but the idea, but but I, I think, and like again, I actually think you could apply this to like a lot, like. You could apply this not just to Herschel Walker, but also to Blake Masters and to Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, um, and Don Bulldog, right? Just like there was this idea where it's like, well, maybe these people know something we don't, and they actually will be successful Senate candidates, right? And then it turned out they were who they thought they were, which was people who were out of touch, um, people who people thought were weird and like just didn't want to elect, and Herschel Walker especially, because turns out not only is he just kind of like a, a poor public speaker, but uh, he also was keeping lots of secrets about, like, secret children he had and also was, like, a very violent person in his personal life and just, like, a generally bad person, I would say. And uh, I, I just think it's just like, again, we, we you know, they, they are who we thought they were, to, to paraphrase Dennis Green, I believe. Um, they, they just were poor candidates. And, and Walker, I think, is, like, the shining example of just, like, no, yeah, that's a good answer. So I, I put, I did put Mehmet Oz, mm-hmm. um, for similar reasons. And the thing with Herschel Walker is like, he would say stuff and he would do things, or things would come out about him, and I was like, oh my god! Like, I mean, they roasted him over a fire, and it was very fair, mm-hmm. but like, it was terrifying. I was like, oh my god, this man could be elected a senator. And for some reason, he terrified me more than any of the rest of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Oz, when he was roasted, it was, like, hilarious. Yeah. Like, the, when he, like how he didn't, you know, how he was from New Jersey, and yet he was running for Senate in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, like, when he goes to the grocery store and he's picking up the crudite and he's calling the grocery store the wrong name. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, like, you know, it was just very cathartic because – He's been doing a lot of really bad things since before he got into politics, and I'm glad that he got knocked down a peg. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. Um, all right, here's here's a category I enjoy, as opposed to all the other ones. What was the best photo of the year? So, <laughs> I chose the photo. I, I had a tough time coming up with this one, but it's the picture 
of Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis in Florida. Oh, yeah. And right during like the hurricane recovery stuff. And like there it's in the background you have Joe Biden hanging out with these two Floridians just like yucking it up, having a good time. And in the foreground you have Ron DeSantis skulking away. And it was just like a perfect I think illustration of like the this is the, the one with the guy who has cracker on his shirt. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just like a really perfect like distillation of like how different their two personalities are. Yeah. And like if 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 we end up with Biden versus DeSantis as the presidential election, Biden wins. Like this will be the picture that people point to and be like, yeah, he won like right here. Like they they just look. I mean, and like you know, who, their pictures, there's there's snapshots of like seconds in time. Who knows what was actually happening? But it, uh, it I, I just thought it was it, it was funny and just kind of like, um, like I said, just like a really perfect juxtaposition between the two of them. I I I like that one. It, it's a great it is a great photo because Joe, Joe Biden's also got his arm around this like very Florida looking woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so my I think. I almost wanted to add a category that's like favorite meme because I think that's kind of what best photo is for me. So like the dark Brandon meme, that's got to be up there for me. When mm-hmm. especially when Joe Biden kind of leaned into it and it was like the dark red lights and he gives this very ominous speech about democracy. Um, but I think my favorite photo of the year is the scene for President Trump's life where he was an astronaut. The Trump trading cards like brought me the most joy this year. That was just so good mm-hmm. like they were just hilarious i loved it best photo of the year <laughs> mm-hmm. um worst photo of the year i have the fist bump with the crown prince oh yeah i, I understand why mm-hmm. i just feel like and maybe this is like a worst photo because it got too many think pieces mm-hmm. i just saw it so much and it just started to bother me and yeah, yeah. it was not a great optic no no i think that, that that's a good one I had uh, any picture a Democrat took of Sam Bankman-Fried. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Spicy. Sam Bankman-Fried, of course, the now arrested, I don't remember, is that Zach position, but basically the head, the CEO or whatever of FTX, the crypto fund, which it turns out was, was you know, not, uh, <laughs> not, not doing what it was supposed to do. And he also was a, a huge Democratic donor who took a lot of pictures with lots of powerful Democratic politicians. And uh, doesn't look good. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good one too. Well, we will take a commercial break and be back for our last superlatives. If you're a fan of the Post Riders articles, podcasts, and projects, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. So once a week, digest of everything we've worked on, what the site is up to, and other things we'd recommend each Monday. We don't believe in subjecting you to daily annoying emails, but we do believe in keeping our most passionate and loyal supporters in the loop on what we've been up to. We know how inconvenient and annoying it is to have your inbox flooded with constant reminders and useless material. That's why we run a curated weekly newsletter that gives you a once a week scoop. New subscribers help us know how many people are reading and listening to our work and want to hear more from us. So go to thepostwriter.com newsletter to sign up now. And we're back. All right, next up is the most overreported story of the year. So, keeping with my uh, 
my my rural family apology theme mm-hmm. uh anything to do with with harry and megan uh oh. i don't care about these two people like at all mm. the most interesting thing that happened to them happened to them a couple years ago when they decided they weren't going to be royal anymore and the oprah interview was like the only thing that was interesting to me about them i don't i don't need a documentary about them i don't need more interviews with them i don't need to read harry's book I just really, really don't care about either of these people, um, and and I'm I'm just sick of it, man. I think there's really nothing else to learn about Harry and Meghan. Oh, these old British people were racist. That's horrible, but like that doesn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. no, nah, that's good. You just you think that the Queen should be forgiven and they should go away. I'm I hear you. Well, it's not even it's not even the Queen. <laughs> it's just like. You know, I, I got nothing against them. I just don't want. I just, I just don't care about them. I don't want to hear about them. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Elon Musk, whose takeover of Twitter is my runner-up for most overreported story of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I read it somewhere. It's like, I don't know. I feel like this was a thing two-ish years ago. It was mm-hmm. like, or like a year ago, where it's like Joe Biden needs to stop governing. Like he, the only Democrats in the world are the ones on Twitter because that's only actually like one percent of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get how Twitter's a big a deal and it's important and it has a role. It's it's also just like one website and the fact that there were like covers of newspapers with like Elon Musk almost took over Twitter for like three straight months and there was just this recurring saga of oh is he or is he not? That was just that was stupid. Bothered me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um yeah, and, and just like the the very granular kind of analysis of of what didn't what has and hasn't changed on Twitter and yeah. and all of that and like just also like the and like the, the the few weeks after like he officially took control like the near daily posts of like uh oh I think this is it looks like Twitter's dead you can find me in all these other apps yeah it's like all those people are still on Twitter yeah or at least most <laughs> of them are right like yeah the the, the idea of like Twitter's imminent collapse happening. Uh, clearly clearly overstated yeah um so that's up there my my other most overreported story of the year uh is the joe biden is not maybe not gonna run for president's yeah. story i hate him and that's why the only story in that vein that i read is the one that i wrote that said he's not gonna do that he'll do the opposite and he should run yeah, I don't like the Biden isn't going to run, shouldn't run stories. They're boring. They're completely, uh, you're just making, like, you don't know. You're yeah. just making stuff up to get a headline. Stop reporting I, on it. I agree. It's clearly just people <laughs> bored trying to come up with the story. Yeah. Um, so the most underreported story of the year, something you think should have been more reported on, uh, I, I think. I can't remember if I had this last year too, but it's more interesting this year. Uh, the federal judges. We had 97 mm-hmm. lifetime federal judges confirmed under Joe Biden, which is 12 more than Trump at this time in his presidency and 35 more than Obama at this time in his. The real kicker with these is that three quarters of these judges uh, are women and two thirds of these judges are people of color. That includes 11 black women put on the circuit courts, which is more than those from all of the previous presidents combined. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like a very underreported story. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I agree that that is, I mean, that's, that's 
arguably like the most important part of having a president and like a, a control of the Senate, right? Yeah. Is you get to confirm these judges and uh, they, they end up making a lot of really important decisions, it turns out. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, de- definitely big. So I had, I had a tough time with this one. And this was definitely like, well, I had kind of two. One was uh, the the election of Giorgia Maloney as Italy's prime minister. Yeah, uh, member of like a literal fascist party, like and not like literally being like we are we are un, like we are. Well, they call themselves post fascist, but she's like <laughs> literally like a bit like a Mussolini apologist. Um, like that that seemed like it should get a little more air. Um, also, and like this, it's just definitely like because it's it's not like a thing that happened in the United States, but like. And I'm still like catching up on it, but like uh, the fallout of Shinzo Abe's assassination. Yeah, um, Shinzo Abe, of course, the former prime minister of Japan, who who was assassinated with like a homemade gun. Um, not a thing you really see happen often in Japan. And like the stuff that like again, like I I, I don't know a lot about it. I'm still kind of trying to figure out what exactly happened. But it's like basically uh, he was shot because the the guy who shot him. Uh, had some issue with uh, the the Unification Church, which which Shinzo Abe and his party may have some connection with, and in like the month since Abe's death, like the government of Japan has actually like become less popular, and like the perception of that party has become like less like they they've become less popular. Like the the his state funeral was like a very unpopular decision. And also, like, there have been legislative changes about, like, official ties with the Unification Church and Japan. Hmm. So a lot of, like, like, not not really what you would have expected to happen in the wake of an assassination of a leader. And just, like, uh, kind, kind of raise a little, like, I mean, I guess any time something like this happens, it raises more questions than answers. But just, like, really, just stuff I was not expecting uh, to happen, basically. Yeah. I mean, he was also, like arguably their most important prime minister yeah in like a really really long time um that's true that was kind of under reported um who so our 15 minutes of fame award who burned brightest and fastest uh, <laughs> I, I i have an international answer uh, well oh, <laughs> liz, liz trust yeah yeah she, she comes up later later in my, oh, in my oh, words. Yeah. Um, I, I'd have a really good answer for this one. I said Carrie Lake. Mm, um, yeah. You know, it seemed like there was a very good chance of her being elected governor of Arizona. And she, mm. you know, this kind of like fully Q-pilled um, Republican <laughs> who was very adamant that the election was stolen, who was saying things that like media gaggles, like I'm going to make your life a living hell. And things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then she lost and she's just been kind of flailing around ever since. Um, there have been, you know, unsuccessful lawsuits trying to change the results of the election. She's kind of resorted now. She's just kind of like a speaker at C, well, not CPAC. She was, you know, I think it was turning point, the mm. turning point conference or whatever. She just kind of at like conservative conferences now, like in, uh, you know, there's, there's a, chance she runs for office again um but like the idea that she was going to be sort of like this vanguard of the new right um that like i i remember seeing it was some conservative commentator say like i don't think like the left knows like what what they what's in store for carrie like like she's so charismatic she communicates these ideas so well like she's going to be a problem for them 
Mm. And now she doesn't have a job. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, the next one. Sad to see you go. Who are you sad to see go after 2022? And if you say the queen again. <laughs> <laughs> I said Nancy Pelosi. I also wrote her down. Like, um, I, I've had my differences with Nancy Pelosi when it comes to uh, communications and PR and things like that. I, I don't know that she's always like the best with the media. Um, but I think, you know, it's pretty hard to argue that she isn't like one of the most effective and skilled legislatures of her generation. Mm. Um of, like I, like we're t- we, you know we've been sort of like dancing around the whole Kevin McCarthy will he be speaker thing and it's like Pelosi also had some pretty um, thin like you know party margins and like it never got this close to her not being speaker right yeah and he, I think you could even argue that like the Democratic Party or the the House Democrats are like more ideologically diverse than House Republicans right yeah I mean you have people like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and Ilhan Omar who are like on the left. And you have, like, the Mikey Sherrills, the Jared Golds of the world, who are very moderate. Um, and Pelosi was, a, time and again, able to find a way to kind of unite these disparate wings of the party. Again, did, like, the squad and whoever else always vote for? No, of course not. But more often than not, she was able to bring them together and get things passed. And it, there was really not... You compare it to the drama that was happening in the Senate with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, the really, you really didn't get that same amount of, of drama in the House. And I think that's... All thanks to Nancy Pelosi, um, and hopefully she 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 taught Hakeem Jeffries everything she could teach him. And she never lost a floor vote as speaker. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a good one. I wrote her name. I, I just wrote kind of like a few names down. I had her, uh, Liz Cheney, I guess she's going away. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I got some respect there. Uh, Barbara Walters just died. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, dare I mention, the only top-of-the-ticket incumbent candidate who lost re-election this cycle, Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak. And more importantly, Carson the Tortoise, who just announced that his Twitter account will be deactivated. And that's Steve Sisolak's pet tortoise up in Carson mm. City, who uh, will no longer be with us. I believe he's still alive. He's just, you know, I assume he's leaving with Sisolak. <laughs> um... Okay, and then the opposite of said to see you go is the Dear God, Please Go Away Award. Um, well, if you're the, the Republican Party, you're secretly praying it's Trump. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Elon Musk is hands down who I picked for, the, <laughs> for 2022. I entered the year with like a, yeah, it seems, you know, he's like kind of a, he's different. He's certainly different and he's got some annoying Mm-hmm. ways that he handles things but like seems pretty competent and like he knows what he's doing then he went like full like my pronouns are what did he say like investigate fauci or prosecute yeah. fauci yeah. and the republicans should get your vote in the midterm mm-hmm. and like crazy crazy nut job stuff started coming out of his mouth and all the companies he's involved with their shares haven't been doing so well and mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he needs to go away. Yeah, so I, I had him on my list. Um, I also had Vladimir Putin. <laughs> oh, that's a good uh, one. He should also probably yeah. go away. <laughs> Obviously, uh, invaded Ukraine, uh, causing lots of unnecessary death and destruction. Um, it sounds like there are a lot of Russians who don't like him anymore either. So uh, he's uh, 
I, I'd be happy if you just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Uh, scandal of the year. <laughs> so I, it, it's it's funny because the National Review actually penned a piece like around the midterm, calling saying like the death of the American political scandal, reflecting on how like mm-hmm. all the things about Trump and Herschel Walker and all their scandals would have destroyed any politician twenty or ten years ago. Yeah. So I struggled. What, did you come up with anything? Well, and, and that, that's kind of what I was talking about George Santos earlier. That's what I think is so remarkable is that I think in a way it's the reintroduction of the American scandal because mm-hmm. it seems like this could sink him. And again, he's not nearly as sort of like important, I guess, as Herschel Walker or Donald Trump. So maybe that's part of it. But I think it's noteworthy in that regard. Uh, I would say F- FTX, um, which we already touched on. The FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, that but is that really like... I mean, I guess... Trump's actions make it scandalous. Um, but, but but I said FTX just... We, we were all waiting for the shoe to drop on crypto, right? At least I know you were. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and it did finally drop of FTX. And it seems like it may pull some other, uh, you know, funds or whatever down with it. Um, you know, when, when they make a documentary about FTX, all of those like Super Bowl commercials about crypto that aired last year oh, yeah. will certainly be featured. And, um, you know, there, there's Sam Beckman free, like I said, donated to a lot of Democrats. His business partner donated to a lot of Republicans. Um, and, you know, there's there's going to be some interesting uh, interesting trials and hearings about it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, the L.A. City Council racist recording scandal. Oh, that also yeah. happened this year. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, yeah. That and did you, that one ended up in like a fist fight too. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, when Kevin DeLeon like returned to the chamber, like he got into like a literal fight with, I guess, a constituent as he was leaving the building. Um, yeah, they, they. Yeah, and again, maybe to the National Review's point, it's like they probably should have like all resigned. Like it's kind of remarkable they're still in office. Yeah. Um. All right, we're we're getting to the last few here. So the uh, the biggest moments of the year. What were your top three political moments? So do you do you want me to go three through one, or am I going to give three and then you give three? And uh, I give two. I mean, what's two. what's your number three? My number three is the whole like uh, I Inflation Reduction Act like announcement switcheroo thing. Hmm. Um, the announcement that. The Manchin and Schumer had come to an agreement and that, uh, you know, they had kind of, um, you know, tricked McConnell into voting on some stuff because he was under the impression that, you know, that they didn't have an agreement. Um, like I said, it, it revived the Democratic legislative agenda. I think it gave wind to the sales of the Democratic Party. Um, I don't know that you can really directly credit with their better than expected performance in the midterms, but um I think it definitely played a role and it went from Biden looking like a guy who was not able to get things done to a guy who got everything he, or most of what he wanted to get done in his first two years in office. Yeah, no, that's a good one. My third biggest moment of the year was the midterm election, which Mm -hmm. seems like a cop out, but I think it is worth like noting midterms like this are very, very rare. Yeah. This was, I mean, you and I did that live stream that night. Mike, which was a bunch of fun. And I like towards the end of that night, because we were still going at like one in the morning. You were just like this. I don't know. We were just like this. This is not like anything we've lived through. This is a very weird midterm. Yeah. 
And it, it completely changed the outlook for the future. Right? Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> it went from, you know, everyone expecting Biden to be a functional lame duck for two years and have to go against Trump, who had all the wind at his back because, you know, he his candidates won in the midterm to uh, Democrats feeling way better about it than Republicans did, even though Republicans won the House. Yeah. Yeah. And and Trump and Trump now like you know, not looking like no no one like cares not that no one cares but it's like, you know, he's like the impression flagging. of Trump is now that he's just like a lonely old, geezer holed up in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, uh, yeah. And number two, what was your number two? Number two, I had uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned. That, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, huge. It. it uh, you know, it, it was this decision that social conservatives had been literally praying for for years. Um, they finally got it. it. It triggered, obviously, a bunch of laws in other states that made abortion either functionally or literally illegal in their states. Um, and, you know, I think if you want to point to why the midterms were, were, were the way they were, I mean, this is a big part of it, right? Um, it was one thing, it, you know, if you were willing to vote Republican on the impression that, you know, you would have access to an abortion, but now that that's no longer the case, I think that changed a lot of people's votes. And it it gave the Democrats an issue to run on. And when they ran on it, they tended to win. I, so my, my top two, and I'll do my number one next, just because we had the same one, but like the Roe v. Wade thing, it like defines 2022 domestically. Yeah. Um, my biggest moment of the year is the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which defined the year internationally. And you mentioned how, like, how not very well covered the, you know, the Abe assassination uh, and the post-fascist takeover of Italy was. And it's like, yeah, there was like some huge stuff that happened internationally. And yet even Queen Elizabeth's death could not quite overshadow the invasion of Ukraine. I just feel like mm-hmm. that... Uh, that story had quite some staying power and I don't know, like the Congress kicked into action international or like in the States to affect internationally. It's just like kind of reawoke like the liberal world order in a unexpected way. Yeah. That, that was also my number one. Um, We'd be kind of bad people if we didn't pick that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally it's, it is the, uh, I mean, it's the first like, you know, really state versus state war that's taken place in Europe since World War Two. I mean, it, mm. it, it, it kind of, in the, yeah, like I said, it, it looked to kind of put the liberal world order on its head, but now it seems in some ways it may have revitalized it, right? Um, you know, Finland and Sweden, I think it's Sweden, right, are now members of NATO, or at least or they're trying to trying to become members of NATO. Um, and you know, I think domestically it had an impact too. I think. Uh, Joe Biden has been able to like tie himself to Ukraine and to Volodymyr Zelensky as like a thing of, like, hey, you know, the other guy said that he kind of liked Putin. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and this is why you shouldn't like Putin. And, you know, we should recommit ourselves to, uh, you know, protecting these democracies and doing so in like a non like Bush neoconservative kind of way. I think he's been able to find a really effective lane with it and yeah like you know it's not just that but also like had an effect on inflation it had an effect on gas prices right yeah um energy costs in europe especially um 
and uh, you know influx of refugees to Europe and the United States. Um, yeah, just just a, a truly earth-shaking event. Yeah. So, who do we think lost twenty twenty two? The three top losers. <laughs> In third I... place. Mm-hmm. I have the New York State Democratic Party. <laughs> I, also, I also had that. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, no, they definitely lost 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I get that they won, but... Yeah, even though Kathy Hochul and Chuck Schumer won their respective elections, uh, they didn't do so well down ballot. <laughs> they are losers this yes. year. <laughs> um, yeah, I had New York Democrats, especially Kathy Hochul and Sean Patrick Maloney, uh who did this whole song and dance about basically crowding uh, um, Mondaire Jones out of his congressional district, which caused Mondaire Jones to go run a different congressional district, which he didn't win the primary in. And then Sean Patrick Maloney lost re-election and tweeted out, literally tweeted out, like, worth it. It's like, was it really? (laughs) (laughs) It seems like it definitely was not worth it. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, they've got a lot of problems. Hochul is not really, like, the the best... uh, leader in a lot of ways they were wiped out in congress they were wiped out completely in and on, on long island um and like if they if they just hold on to their seats like there's a good chance democrats still keep control of the house so yeah 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 uh what's your number two your second uh, biggest loser rick scott Ooh, that's a good one yes i didn't think uh, of him but he yeah chair of uh whatever he was chair of the republican Senatorial Campaign Committee. Yes, the NRSC. Um, You know, obviously a big advocate for a lot of their eventual nominees, uh, many of whom lost. He was not able to flip a single seat in a midterm where a Democrat was president and it was also quite unpopular. And he had this little failed coup against Mitch McConnell in the (laughs) Senate leadership elections that uh, he lost and didn't really come particularly close to winning. And I just think that, you know, Rick Scott, this guy, he was governor, a two-term governor. He's now a senator. Um, outrageously wealthy. I think a lot of people thought he would at least run for president just because he has the funds to. Mm. I think any, like, I just, I just don't see how he could possibly run for president now. It was going to be tough anyway, but, like, I, he's just came out looking like a like a fool, honestly. <laughs> he did, despite the... Despite the Despite the, the 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 brave face he tried to put on, and despite trying to say actually this is all Mitch McConnell's fault, like no, yeah. it's 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 mostly your fault, Rick. Yeah. Um. So my my number two loser for the year, someone who definitely took an L in so many ways this year, uh, the United Kingdom is yeah. my <laughs> second loser of the year. They lost a monarch. They lost. They almost lost three prime ministers, but they managed to just lose two. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> their economy kind of fell out beneath them they they took an l for the world in 2022 so they are my loser <laughs> yeah i th- i think that's a really good choice um i've been listening to a lot of british politics podcasts recently because it's just it's been fascinating what's what's been going on over there it's true insanity well certainly exciting mm-hmm. um and who was your top loser of the year Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, this. The, the midterms were a. Put it this way, in 2020, we were all kind of 
expecting and many of us hoping and praying that we would get this like very firm refutation of like his whole political program and thing right Mm. and yes democrats won they kept control of congress joe biden became president um but it was not like a resounding victory right Mm. necessarily um in a way i think the midterms have done more damage to donald trump politically than losing the presidency did because many of his handpicked candidates lost um you know his the, the way he kind of thrashed around like they, they they none of them aside from like carrie lake and some other people in arizona even like kind of followed in his footsteps and like refused to concede right um and you know he he clearly like scheduled the announcement of his presidential campaign for 2024 um because he was expecting there to be this massive red wave and he'd be able to say look what i delivered to the republican party let's do this again in 2024 i will become president again and instead it went over like a wet fart like nobody really i mean people care but they don't care like it's not driving the news cycle the way it did in 2015 um Mm. and 2016 and like if you've read the olivia nuzzi piece nuzzi piece um in new york magazine that was published like a few days before christmas and i know people have some issues with that piece and i kind of have those issues too but like the the point she makes is that like she she goes to the campaign announcement and she quotes some like unidentified like trump person and it's like the vip section like a member of the vip section is was brick guy do you know brick guy no <laughs> he's a guy who goes to all these trump rallies in a suit that has like a brick pattern on it because he's like the wall or whatever like the oh border wall and the, the person is like Look, if, if Brick Guy is a VIP, if we are using a <laughs> VIP spot on Brick Guy, like, we are in trouble, right? Yeah. Um, like, his current, like, basically his current campaign manager is, like, not someone who's, like, that experienced. Like, he he's really just kind of, like, begin, beginning in some ways to fade away. Now, is he the odds-on favorite to be the next Republican nominee for president? Yeah, absolutely. Of course he is. But he's not riding this high that he was expecting to run um you know people are republicans are very clearly looking for other options mm. and he's he's not even back on twitter right it's like and that's his choice but it's like he's not having the kind of effect he was expecting to have and um it's it's hard not to think of him as like a as, as the biggest loser because everything we were expecting to happen for him this kind of like this opening for him to become relevant again to run for president again, to have a very good shot of winning again, it just it just didn't happen. Well, and you know who knows what happens criminally with the FBI and all of that stuff. So yeah. Donald Trump, you are my biggest loser of twenty twenty two. See that he is a loser, and I agree. But I didn't want to pick the same one, so I picked abortion rights, who definitely lost well, in twenty twenty two. And I, I just think it's worth. It is so unheard of, in like the history of american law that the supreme court has actively said that right that we gave you we're actually going to roll that back it like never happens it's usually like you may not have that right and then 50 years later they're like actually we think you do have that right Mm -hmm. it is almost never nope we're just gonna you don't get that anymore (laughs) it's just it's crazy uh but yeah trump trump's a loser yeah uh what about our winners our big our big winners of the year uh so <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know how strong i feel about this but my third biggest winner was ron DeSantis. do i think he's going to be president 
No, I actually would bet money that he won't be. Uh, but I think he massively overperformed expectations this year, and he just kind of continuously avoided that there were these wipeouts, that there were a lot of these really bad takes. You know, they were like, well, if he goes after Disney in the home state of Florida, like, he'll never be reelected. And then it was like, if he ships Latino migrants to Martha's Vineyard, that will hurt his reelection in, you know, in Florida. There was just a lot of that, and then he, like, crushed it in the midterm. And he won, like, Miami-Dade County. Yeah. He, that is he, wild. He was my number two. Um, if, if, you know, he, there are a lot of Republicans who will immediately flock into his corner if he decides to run for president. And he made the best case he could make for himself in 2022 by handily, handily, handily winning re-election. Um, and by, by not being like Teflon, but by basically not you know stepping on any rakes if you will yeah um yeah so yeah he, he was my number two who was your number three my number three was uh the michigan state democratic party Ooh. um yeah which not only re-elected their governor gretchen whitmer but also took control of both state houses for the first time i believe since the 1980s um that's just huge for a state that went for trump in 2016 and you know in an area of the country that seems like it's just moving further right i mean they also i think flipped at least one district um the one that peter mayer was in and then they funded his you know mega opponent and all that um yeah it's just a a really good showing from them in a state that i think probably maybe some people thought was was not good was was just going to keep moving further right um they really i mean the, the idea that in general you could really just talk about like town pellet Democrats outside of New York and California in general, because um, the idea that like Democrats actually gain state legislature chambers yeah. in a Democratic midterm is ridiculous. And the fact that Michigan was able to do it with both of them is really says that they're doing something right over there. No. So my number two was the Colorado Democratic Party, because mm. I, you know, <laughs> am from Colorado and lived there for like 10 years of my life mm-hmm. and had my political upbringing there. And it was always like a purple state that trended like blue mm-hmm. when I was there, except in 2004 or mm-hmm. in like the mid 2000s. Um, but like I was just blown away. We we you invoked Jared Polis at the beginning. But yeah, like Jared Polis and Michael Bennett's performance and the fact that Lauren Boebert, like by like the edge of her skin, managed to win reelection in a, like a red Western district is crazy i mean the colorado democratic party i mean like the state i don't think people realize that like washington and illinois and new york uh were like comparable with colorado this year in terms of like democratic turnout or in terms of like percentage of statewide candidates the percentage Mm -hmm. statewide candidates got and colorado almost certainly did better than new york (laughs) yeah definitely um no yeah we, we talked about earlier when i mentioned jared bullis but yeah yeah really really crushing victory for them yeah uh who was your top winner who won 22 the most the most <laughs> i i said gary peters to, to kind of pick rick oh. scott's opposite number yeah i mean he he did it he held on to every uh democratic swing seat in the senate and even got a new one in pennsylvania in the form of john fetterman um yeah definitely a behind the scenes guy not the most charismatic person in the senate but uh he he did what seemed like literally impossible and 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 helped uh help democrats hold on to the senate yeah 
I so I'll, I did kind of a a mirror image of your who lost. Uh, if there is one person who I feel like a thousand percent better about at the end of this year than at the beginning of this year, it is Joe Biden. Uh, if you were to have me like place bets at the beginning of the year, if I would be like bullish or bearish at the end of this year, I would assume I would be bullish on Trump and bearish on Biden. And it is like completely opposite. I think Joe Biden is like the, uh, what's the word, like the most improved player. Yeah. Uh, the the number of people, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty vocal out there with my like, if Democrats don't renominate Joe Biden, they're making the mistake of a lifetime. Uh, and the number of people who reached out to me after the midterms and they were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that I thought he was like too old or mm-hmm. that your take was like weird. Uh, it's like more than three people like people like were like, oh, my God, you were right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Joe Biden. He won 2022. Um, OK, our, our last two awards. Schlub of the year. This is where I had Rick Scott. <laughs> this is where I had Liz Truss. Okay. <laughs> Those are both fair. Yeah. Um, but Rick Scott, we're still stuck with. He's he's like a... Sh- I imagine a schlub is someone who just kind of sticks around. <laughs> that That's fair. I mean, Liz Truss, she was literally like, well, you know, my country is facing a cost of living crisis. Would destroying the economy help? And it turns out it didn't. Yeah. Um, she she and her and quasi Quartang and 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 her other sort of like wing of the of the conservative party just really just slammed on the gas on their like neo Thatcherite economic policy, which had basically been kind of like in a, in some ways like rejected by like David Cameron and Boris Johnson, and it just set their economy on fire <laughs> and uh, did absolutely nothing to help, um, completely invalidated their ideology. And she is now literally the shortest-serving prime minister of all time. Her her whole episode was, like, laughable, which is yeah. schlubby. That is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she just came off as, like, pretty clueless the entire time, too. Yeah. Uh, person of the year. There's a, there's a chance you, me, and Time Magazine have all named the same person here, Mike. Uh, is, is, is it Zelensky? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's so I picked too. Mm-hmm. You know, dude's crushing it. I'm. We don't. We don't take a lot of sides. I'm. I'm Team Zelensky. <laughs> I. I'd vote for him. I'm pro. <laughs> yeah. No. He. He has. It, it's funny, right? Because um, a couple of years ago, it seemed like Zelensky was be the answer to to a trivia question, right? Which is, who did Donald Trump have the phone call with that led to his first impeachment? Yeah. And the answer was Zelensky. Um, and he was not popular at all in, in Ukraine. And it really seemed like, you know, Ukraine was going to lose this war in a matter of days. And, you know, there was a good chance he was not going to survive, right? Yeah. Uh, and he didn't. He, he, he dug in. He kept the Russians out of Kiev. He pushed them back, as far as I understand. Um, and he really became, like, a symbol of, like, international democracy. Um and all of that uh and you know it's just like a massive turnaround i think for the image of the guy who you know like i said looked like he was either gonna like lose re-election or you know something much worse was gonna happen to him yeah and he's become this kind of like a figure that i think a lot of people can agree on he he has certainly become like a worldwide name yeah in a matter of months 
and just I don't know. And like he when he visited the United States, it was like a big, it was like a big yeah. deal. Well, the thing is, like if if he was able to run for president of the United States, like he would win a lot of states. Like, he'd, he'd, he'd do, do really pretty well. well. Yeah. yeah, like he's very popular now. Yeah. Uh, but there you have it. Those are our awards for 2022. Thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to reach out to us on Twitter, even though we spent a couple of these bashing it. Uh, but you can find and follow us at The Post Writer, or you can email us at contact at thepostwriter.com. We love hearing from you. Tell us who you think was this year's biggest loser, their biggest winner. T- tell us who was a schlub. Who was your schlub of the year? Uh, don't get too personal, though. Uh, you can always give us more topics for us to discuss. We're a Postwriter podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com. You can check out stuff we work on, things we've written, our other podcasts, and more over there. And thank you, of course, to Michael for joining. It's good to kick off 2023 with you, Mike. Same here.